Hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine, perfectly orchestrated destiny for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. I guess I guess that's the best language I have, is gave me permission um, to be a little pokey today. As you can tell from the mic, like, God's ready to, like, poke them. Not poke, like, in a bad way, but... Um, and it's not that we haven't done this the whole time, but I, I'm going to be more offensive. Not offensive like I'm going to offend you. Offensive as, like, in a football game where we're moving the ball. Um, the churches, the churches play defense for hundreds or thousands of years, where we just think that it's okay for us to just kind of chill, and then whatever happens, you know, we kind of deal with it. And she's obviously that way right now, big time, because. I've talked to, I've probably talked to in uh, four weeks, I've honestly probably talked to 800,000 people, like, um, conversations like me and them. Um, probably half of them pastors, ministers, and most of them kind of agree, you know, and they and they encourage me. And here's what I get: I've gotten this out of. If, let's say it's a thousand people that I've talked to. This is what I've gotten nine hundred and twenty-five times. I'm praying for you. And I uh, bless you. And I. I say thank you. And almost every time I want to say, like, I, I super appreciate that. But God is actually already on my side. So I don't know exactly what you're praying for. Like, if you're praying to convince God to get on Steve's side or convince God to to win the case supernaturally or something like I don't know how people are praying. I know how I hear people pray. And usually um, it's not prayers that I want <laughs> because they just damn you. And not, not a cuss word. I didn't like the other kind of damn you. And say terrible stuff, and they and they beg God to do stuff that He wants to do. Like you, you, you do know, like God wants freedom and liberty in America, right? Uh, we don't have to talk Him into that. <laughs> he did, he did that at the cross. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, Galatians five one. And then the verse goes on to say, "Don't get back into slavery." In fact, if you, uh, Rye, put that up real quick. Like, I don't, I think, I, I've been saying this verse a lot and people have been getting it, but I don't think that they've really, truly understood. So Jesus set us free. And there's this beautiful parallel for those of you that understand U.S. history. Jesus set us free, uh, sorry, uh, Galatians 5.1, bro. Um, Jesus set us free from sin sickness, poverty, oppression, depression. 
And I think a lot of people like get that. But there's something about freedom that it has to be maintained. You don't just get to to sit on your lazy boy, eat bonbons, watch Netflix, and expect divine health and divine prosperity and the peace of God and all. It just doesn't happen that way, y'all. You have to defend what belongs to you. The enemy's not super happy that Jesus took a bunch of territory from him. Jesus specifically told the church, you need to occupy until I return. That word occupy is an actual military term. An occupying force. Anybody remember World War II? World War II was America was the occupying force of Germany. We didn't own Germany. We didn't run Germany. It wasn't our nation, but we were occupying it until they got it figured out. Just so you know, they're still not allowed to have an army because they've done bad stuff two times in a row. We're just not okay with them having another army. I, I love the Germans. Don't take this. Don't. But we're like, okay, no more army for you. Once bitten, twice shy. We're the occupying force of this planet. Hallelujah. This is a lot better when I preach this at my wife in our living room. She's like, preach it, baby. I am. Pull up my sweatpants. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Let me break this down. God make you free. God did that. He, he, all by himself. You didn't help. You didn't pray Jesus into the cross. You weren't even alive. He, he did that all by his lonesome. God came down by himself. Became man by himself. And did the work of the ministry by himself. Disciples kind of hung along. Most of the time they were in the way. If you've ever read the Gospels, they were totally a distraction. I mean, Jesus could have got a lot more done without them, but he had to leave some folks. Went to the cross by himself. Defeated sin, sickness, hell, death, the grave, by himself. Was resurrected by his spirit, by himself. Rules, reigns, completely sovereign in what he rules and reigns over. Gives it all to you as a free gift. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. I can, I can tell you if you go look in a mirror, it wasn't based on your good looks. All the people that are laughing are humble. It wasn't based on your wealth. You didn't buy it. You didn't get it because you're a red-blooded American. You didn't get it because you're white, black, fat, short, tall, thin, holy, or unholy. You got it 100% because He is a good God and He gifted it to you. And all He asks in return is the second half of this verse. Don't. Get back into slavery. And the whole church, for the most part, in America, says, it's just a little bit of slavery. It's okay. It's just a little bit. If I baked you a cake and I put a little bit of feces in it, just a little bit, one little clump fresh out of the toilet, but it was a big cake and I mixed her in good, lots of sugar. And I told you, before I gave you your first piece, it is mostly cake. 
I almost want to say, raise your hand, but I know some guy will be like, I'll eat it. Came out of me, I'll put it back in. Because that's the kind of church we got. Somebody in here is thinking that. So I'm not going to have anybody raise your hands because I'm not going there. The point is, you give up a little, it's all gone. And you might be thinking I'm talking about the First Amendment with the government, but I'm actually talking about you and your life. This is just a fruit. What the government's doing right now with the First Amendment, it's just a fruit to the fact that the church has been willing to give up freedom for thousands of years. You know, the first church walked in divine health. It was a normal thing for them to be raising dead, healing the sick. In fact, under the times of persecution, this is documented, you go look this up. From about one, from about 115 A.D. to about 330 A.D., the church was under intense persecution. Actually, 313 A.D. was when Constantine released Christianity as a, as a recognized religion. And so there was about 200 plus years in there that the church was under intense. Throw to the lions, scout, skin you to death. They, you know, does anybody know what a Roman candle is? The church doesn't even know. A Roman candle was the Roman centurions and the Roman ruling class finding Christians, dipping them in oil, impaling them through their stuff on a pole, putting the pole in their backyard and lighting the Christians on fire and then have a party and an orgy, a drunken orgy all night long while the burning Christians provided the light. That's where the term Roman candle came from. And there's a bunch of people that aren't in church because someone said something mean on Facebook. That's what the church has gone through. In that time frame, the the persecution was so intense that part of the way to get into the meeting... Just so you know, like they actually died to go to church. They, they died to go to church, to gather with the saints because it was so important to them. They died. Their families were kidnapped, raped, and murdered. So they could go to church. Uh, it's quiet now. Now the government says, hey, we're going to shut down your church. You know a bunch of Christians. I have talked to them. A bunch of Christians said, praise God, I ain't got to go. I know, not you. Part of getting into a meeting in that time frame, if you walked up to someone that you knew was a Christian, you know the little fish sticker that we see on cars? You know, the little, those things came about during that time of church persecution. You'd find out about a meeting because you'd see the Jesus fish. All those, all those Christians, the cross, all those symbols, that was how people found out about the things of God. And uh, most of the time, you only got into a service under one of two contexts. Either A, the Holy Spirit literally told you the address. And if you think I'm playing, go look it up. About 50% of the church was able to meet together in the first church because they prayed in tongues and the Holy Spirit told them the address, the time of the service. Guess how many people would be here today if we had to go back to that system? (laughs) The other way you got into the meeting, in other words, you're still immature You don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that intimately. The other way you got into the service back then under the days of persecution because they wanted to protect the church was if you walked up to one of the people that you knew was going to church and you said, hey, I want to go to church. I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. 
the way they would filter through to find out if you're actually really a Christian and they were going to let you into the room with all the other Christians just to make sure you weren't a spy in there to kill all the Christians, like a Saul, the way they would do that was they would take you downtown to the market and they would find someone sick or lame and they'd say, if you're a Christian, heal them. And if they couldn't, no church for you. Now we have the church where you are weird if you believe in healing. We're we're those people. It would be weird for me to say, okay, our next service is not going to be at 930 at 216 Mason Street in Lena. Our next service is going to be told you where and when by the Holy Spirit. See you then. Now, here's the worst part. The first church... (laughs) Oh, praise God. If the first generation of anything is better than the current generation, you have bought something that is terrible. This is an iPhone something. Who knows? Gunner, what is this? An 8? Okay, whatever this is. This is, let's say this is an 8. So this is iPhone number 8. Steve Castle had iPhone number one. When iPhone came out, I got it. It was awesome. (laughs) The reason it was awesome is because I literally, that phone made me tens of thousands of dollars in bonuses because I could do like emails and stuff from my phone while all of my peers couldn't figure it out. They'd have to drive home every time to do an email. I was doing emails from my phone. I was like making bank because of iPhone. So I've been an iPhone guy ever since. I'm sorry if you're Android. They'll let you in heaven, but that's about it. <laughs> this is 8. iPhone 8. Would anybody argue with me that if this iPhone 8 was worse than iPhone 1, that I would be a complete ignoramus to spend whatever, whatever these things cost now, $1,000? To get a phone that's worse than seven generations ago. Do you know that most of the church, 90 plus percent of the church wants to get back to the first church? So generation whatever this is, wants to get back to generation one. That, this is one of those like... I'm letting the fog kind of settle down. I want you to breathe it in. We should not be trying to be like the first church. We should try to be like today's church that learned from the first church, that learned from the second church, that learned from the third church, that learned from the 13th church, that learned. We should be standing on the shoulders of 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 of Paul. And we're worried about a pandemic that isn't even really a pandemic. But I'll keep that to myself, other than that thing I just said. (laughs) Beloved, it's time for us to go ahead and be on the offense. It's time for us to take back some of the stuff that we've just shrinked away and we've allowed the enemy to have. Well, I'll tell you what, if if you don't kill me, You can make me sick. Right? Because that's what Job would do. And a lot of Christians, I'm just like old Job. That is a sorry statement for a born-again person to ever compare themselves to Job. Who is one of the worst examples of all things in Scripture. And if you've got a problem with what I just said, just come talk to me afterwards and I'll show you scripturally that it was a terrible terrible way to get doctrine and people I'm like old Job okay so here's the thing if you think you're like old Job let me say this the whole book of Job took nine months and at the end of nine months Job was extremely healthy because he had seven more kids 
Don't make me explain that. And became the wealthiest man in the East. So, if you think you're like poor old Job, I'm expecting your tithe check next week to be amazing. Because you should be the wealthiest person in the West. And the fact that Bill Gates is one of those people is one of the most slappinest in the facest kind of things that's going on in our nation right now. One of the most ungodly people on the planet gives away more money than most Christians can even wrap their brain around. So if you're going to be like good old Job, then you better be healthy, popping out seven kids, and the wealthiest person in the West. And that's somebody who wasn't even born again. And the covenant that we have is greater than any covenant that was in the Old Testament. Do not get back into bondage that Jesus purchased you from with his stripes and his blood. I don't care if it's a thought. I don't care if it's an addiction. I don't care if you're super loving Netflix right now. I'm telling you, this is the reason that the body of Christ has been okay with this. Because you just got endless amounts of Netflix, endless amounts of Minecraft, endless amounts of, of TV and, and, and your phones, and you can surf all day long. If I shut your internet off, there'd be blood in the streets. There'd be blood in the streets. You think I'm kidding. If they shut the internet off and close the liquor stores, dear Jesus, you better hide in your basement with a flak jacket on. The reason that they're okay, the reason that America's okay with being put on house arrest is because they're just pumping you full of porn and entertainment and liquor. And promises that it'll just go away on its own if you just play nice. Because it was going to be two weeks. And then it's just two more weeks. And it's just two more weeks. It's been 16 weeks. Proverbs chapter 10. This is my offensive. In verse 19 of Proverbs chapter 10, I'm going to just do the A part of this. In the multitude of words, there wants not sin. Now, I know that's kind of King Jamesy, but what it's saying is, the more the words that are out there are coming from you or coming to you, more likely the more there is going to be bondage Slavery, death, and destruction associated with it. People that ramble get themselves in trouble. Amen. When we first got into this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell on Martin a little bit. They have like a guy that's associated with the Thomas More Society. His job is to make sure the clients don't do super stupid stuff by talking to people and saying the wrong dumb thing. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Completely shoot yourself in the foot, stupid client going on an interview because the news, that's the whole job of the news. The whole job of the news is to twist you into a statement. One state, they just need one. One statement and we nuke the whole fight. And rightfully so, like they didn't know me that good, so they assigned me a guy. (laughs) The guy's job was, Steve, you're not allowed to talk. (laughs) Without, (laughs) without (laughs) permission, the right stuff in the right context, like, and uh, and praise God, they they let they set me free after a couple of weeks because they figured out that I'm that I I'm good with my words. 
the reason that they have this guy. Think about this. The Thomas More Society, Christian, conservative, fighting for some of the most important rights, literally, in the world. The reason they have a guy is because people do not know how important their words are. I will guarantee you that there are people in this building right now that you are physically suffering with symptoms and you are emotionally suffering with problems because you have damned you. Well, I just get sick every time there's a pandemic. (laughs) I've heard people say that. I'm like, the last one was like a hundred years ago. I don't even have time to unravel the stupid in that. Well, every time it's flu season, I'm going to catch the flu. The fact that we even believe there is a flu season. It's like Hallmark started Valentine's and the CDC started flu season. So on Valentine's Day, you get a card because Hallmark said so. And in February, you get the flu because CDC said so. Find that in the Bible. What Hebrew month is the flu month? Please, anybody. But we believe it. It's the flu season. We believe that there's this virus, this boogeyman of all boogeymen, that has the ability. I want you to think about how intelligent this boogeyman is. He only gets people... At church, when there's more than ten. Everybody else on the planet, you're super fine. You can, go, you can go stand 30 deep. I have video of this. You can go stand 30 deep at the sex store. Standing in line to buy your fresh porn. And you will not get the virus because that is an essential function. And the virus knows that's an essential function, so it doesn't go there. (laughs) If you walk around Crate Park with a mask, you're fine. If you walk around Crate Park without a mask, you're dead in 24 hours. (laughs) The virus knows that. Even though no mask that we know of that mankind has made that anybody wears can actually filter the size of the virus that is currently available. But we're all convinced that if you have a mask on, a handkerchief, a Kleenex, that you're fine. Because the virus is so intelligent, it only gets you when you're at church with more than 11 people. And we believe it. There are people that are not in this building right now. Right now. People that I know and love. There are people that are not in this building right now because this is the context. Those same people went to Walmart five times this week, went to Menards five times this week, went to work, went to... They still were around people. They're just not going to be around these people in this building. Who did that? You can say Pritzker, you'd be wrong. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Fear did that. Words. Words did that. I can prove it. Anybody can leave this building today and drive 12 miles that way. Cross the Wisconsin border, and you're free. And there's no virus. It's only on this side of the... And if you don't like north, you can go that way, about 38 miles, and you can cross into a large metropolitan area called Dubuque and do anything you want because there's no virus. It's only on this side of the Mississippi... And this side of the Wisconsin border. And people believe it. 
People believe it. One hour that way, everybody goes to church, everybody goes to a restaurant, everybody goes to everything, and they're safe. They have no fear. Because the government said, no fear. Up there, the Supreme Court said, no fear. So everybody's, okay, no fear. Down here, you will get sick and die if you go to that beloved church. (gasps) But I've been going there for eight years. Now all of a sudden you'll get sick and die when you go there. But they teach about healing. Yeah, but that's just spiritual stuff. This is science. (laughs) Don't laugh because you know that you came from a monkey. Somehow. And the monkeys are still here. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not that. But you did come from a big bang. A big explosion, usually when explosions tear stuff up and destroy things and completely kill all life. But somehow, this explosion created all life. It's a special kind of explosion. That's science. Us believing in God... Kooky, crazy, ignorant. You believe God can heal? You're such a... Drink the Kool-Aid because you go to that cult. (laughs) If I've been called cult one time, I've been called a cult 10,000 times. Because I believe in healing. That's what makes me a cult. Jesus was in a cult. If I'm in a cult, this is the greatest cult ever. It's not a cult. The reason that people say cult, the reason that people say fanatic, is just because they believe more than you. If someone loves Jesus more than you, and they're on their knees in worship, and they're crying, and their hands are raised up, you're probably thinking from the carnal part of you, man, what a fanatic, what a weirdo, what a... Until you get struck by the love of God, and you're on your knees in tears. Then you're like, oh, maybe they weren't a fanatic. Maybe they were just in love with Jesus. Oh, they love Jesus more than me. And it's okay. Like, everybody has a different expression. The way that I love my wife is not the way you love your wife. I hope. Praise God. We need to move on. But there, 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 should, be, there should be expression. And some people are more expressive. But we should all believe the same thing. If Jesus said, Mark 16, that you, believer, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. You you know Jesus said that. That's not the beloved church crazy wild doctrine. Jesus said that. If you're a believer, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Well, I laid hands on the sick and they didn't recover. Well, you just told on yourself. No, it's God's fault. Okay, we'll go with that. All the problems in your life is everybody but you. And the multitude of words, they're once not sin. the, The reason I'm preaching this is because the beloved family, people that I've spent... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years with, who have beat everything. Listen, I have seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've raised the dead. I've seen cancers healed. I've seen things physically fall off people's tumors, fall off people's bodies. And if you're out there thinking like, "Whoa, Steve is," I'm, trust me, I was, I was as impressed as you are. <laughs> like, whoa, that was cool. <laughs> I thought you were believing for it. I was. <laughs> kind of. And some of those people that have walked that road with me right now, they're struggling with stuff. And I've, I've really had to, to process through this, and the Lord spoke this to me. Our world right now is filled with words. 
And everybody in this room can figure out what those words are saying. Sickness, disease, death, destruction, pandemic, depression, financial suicide. And then replay, replay, replay. On every available source. Every available... Well, I watch Fox News. You're going to die. <laughs> there is no avenue of words right now outside of this building that is going to get you in a place of victory. The world is telling you Sick, 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 virus, 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 disease, disease, disease. Economic meltdowns, political meltdowns, just uh, everywhere you turn. I don't even get, listen, I'm super, super Christian in case you hadn't figured it out. I'm super Christian. And so, usually, you know, my Facebook is kind of tuned to me, right? I'm a preacher. If people get on my Facebook and do stupid stuff, I just... Like, you're nah, not on my Facebook feed. So I've got mine tuned. And it is still 60% of the posts. Pandemic this. Disease rate this. This is how many people died in Illinois. This is how many... And these actual people are now starting to come out. Bob just told me that there's a, an official in L.A. that they said... That what they you said 146, 194 people died in whatever county this was out of 3.5 million people. L.A. County, L.A. County, 3.5 million people. They said that 100 and like let's say 200 people died. Well, this official just came out and said, well, we we went through the numbers, we did all the research, and we just figured out the actual number is six. That's this many. <laughs> Six. Two hundred. <laughs> Beloved. Words. Words. The communists know that if you say a lie big enough and long enough and loud enough, you'll eventually get the people to believe it. Do you not think for a second that this, what's going on right now, has very, very little to do with the virus and very, very, very much to do with slavery, control, and delineating the church, destroying God's opportunity to bring salvation to the world. God's plan to rule and reign on this earth was the church. God's plan. Not man's plan. God's plan. For the church. For the whole church. To take the whole gospel to the whole world. That's God's plan. The whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. If you're the devil, I know this is going to be super hard for a bunch of you because you're so holy. Maybe not that hard for some of the other ones. But if you're the devil, how do you stop that from happening? Well, you just put the church on detention forever. And they let you. <laughs> Don't even fight about it. And the one guy that does fight, you send him an email and cuss him out. I don't, I, I have not told any church. I have not told any Christian or any church to gather. I have not. Not one, per, I have not told one person to gather. Not one person. 
But I have said every person should fight for the right to choose. If people are not gathering because they're being told to, they're slaves. If people are not gathering because the Holy Spirit said so, they're sons. Every single Christian, patriot, should be with all of their mind, soul, body, strength, and finances should be supporting what we're doing. Because I want you to get this. If you don't have freedom to choose about whether you go to church or not, the First Amendment has five clauses. The, free, the first thing is the freedom to exercise your religious beliefs. The second thing is freedom of speech. You, you know that thing that we all like, I'm an American, I got freedom of speech. You know, okay, well, you keep thinking that. You used to be an American and had freedom to worship. You think they're not going to come for the rest of them? That's for real. You know freedom of speech ain't what it used to be. Freedom of the press? Come on now. Don't act like you don't know. You know. Freedom of the press, my left toe. The free... You need, you need to get this. If they can take one away, they can take them all away. The last one on there is the freedom to redress the government with grievances. The freedom to redress governments with grievances. You know how many people are mad at me because we're redressing the government with our grievance? You know how many churches won't? Because they don't believe in the First Amendment. And I'm not ashamed of it. The blood of the patriots and the blood of my Savior that purchased it, I'm not ashamed of it. And the world... <laughs> and the, Paul said... In Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to all that will believe. And I'm not ashamed of the First Amendment because it's the power of man to give freedom and ability for the gospel to bring power of God. That's the avenue. The First Amendment brings opportunity for Romans 1.16. So if I believe in one and I don't believe in the other, then I don't believe in one or the other. Isaiah chapter 8, I'm going to do this real fast. Words, words, and I'm going on the offense. And I'm actually, I'm going to read this in the ESV. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. This is a prophecy that Isaiah is speaking from God. So this first verse is God speaking through Isaiah to the people that are coming against God's people. And, and I wish I could put all this in context and read the whole chapter, read the whole book and do whatever, but I can't. So you just need to pick it up from here. So this, verse, this first verse is God speaking through Isaiah to the people that are messing with God's people. You following me? This would kind of be like everybody that's against us. Um, Take counsel together. This is verse 10. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. You know, they're all gathering up trying to figure out how to beat the church. It ain't going to come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. They're going to speak words, but you're Teflon. Okay, nobody knows what Teflon is? Okay, let's do it this way. When you were a kid, you used to say, I'm rubber, you're glue, everything you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Nobody, what is wrong with you people? You didn't do that when you were a kid? Okay, I'm rubber, the enemy's glue. 
He's launching stuff at me, but I'm not letting it get in my heart. They're talking pandemic and virus and sickness and disease and economic meltdown and, and tyranny. and they, they can talk all they want. Uh, it doesn't have to be my talk. Those aren't my words. My heart is set as a flint against that stuff. Where is your heart? Is it getting into you? And I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm telling you that if I would have everybody in this room raise your hand, if you probably had more than your fair share of physical symptoms come against you in the last 8, 10, 12 weeks, I'd probably get every hand. That's not accidental. (laughs) That's not coincidental. Come on now. I'm talking to God's people. I'm talking to people that have a little bit more awareness, a little bit more revelation, a little bit more insight than the average person. And I'll guarantee that in this room, there's probably been people that have had a little bit more stuff come against their physical bodies now more than normal. It's because our atmosphere are filled with these words. And they're coming through all the creeks and crevices that are in us. And somehow they're getting to our hearts. Verse 11. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of that people. And he said, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. I actually had people, I've been ministering this to people and they're like, I didn't know conspiracy was in the Bible. You, you think that the, you think conspiracy theories just showed up all of a sudden? Like, there's been conspiracy theories forever. <laughs> Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And, this is the important part, do not let fear get into you. What kind of fear? Their fear. Their fear. I know people that are concerned about getting the virus and getting sick and dying. I'm not. No, come on now. I don't, they, I can understand where they're at. I can minister to them where they're at. I can weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. I can minister to them in their fear, but I don't have to have their fear to minister to them in fear. Let me say something really important about ministry for everybody. You need to get this. I don't have to have been sexually molested at five years old to deal with you if you have. I don't have to be in your mess to minister. That's the cool thing about God. Like Jesus was never in adultery and he ministers to adulterers. Jesus never sinned, but he can minister to sinners. This is so important. I don't have to be affected by your fear to minister to you in your fear. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to help people, counsel people, set people free. And I say, I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. You never went through what I went through. Unless you've gone through what I've gone through, you'll never understand. What? You know, nobody's gone through what you've gone through. You've just eliminated any opportunity for God to ever, ever help you. Including God Himself, because He's never went through what you went through either. And these little memes that show up on your Facebook page, you know, where Jesus, all His friends left Him, and so He understands when your friends leave you, and Jesus, Jesus' friends didn't leave Him, and then He crumpled on the ground and cried and sucked His thumb. He knew they were leaving. The Bible told him so. He read the Bible. They said that they'll all flee, and so He was prepared. It wasn't a big deal. He was ready for it. He wasn't broken because his friends left him. You are. He's not. Amen. Amen. Nobody has to go through what you've gone through in order to minister. In fact, let me say this. I actually want people in my life as counselors and as voices in my life that haven't gone through what I've gone through. Because they were probably smarter than to do the stupid things that I've done to get me in the mess that I'm in. 
It's way better to go to someone who's not as stupid as you that didn't get into your mess to ask them for help than to find someone who's as stupid as you and get together and have a stupid party. You know what it's like to be divorced? Oh, yo, I know, it's a terrible thing. Well, we should probably minister to each other. Okay, how do you feel? Terrible? Well, how do you feel? Terrible? Well, I'll pray for you. No, find some people that aren't there. <laughs> Amen. Terrible things happen. I, I get it. Sometimes they're our fault. Sometimes other people do stuff. I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm just saying, like, stop it with this whole thing. Nobody knows what you're going through. That's the whole point. Nobody knows what you're going through. So, Jesus, don't let their fear be your fear. Don't let their concern be your concern. Don't let their oppression be your oppression. They're going to they're gonna move into an economic depression. I say they, because I'm not. I'm going to go ahead and be wealthy. I just choose to. Well, you can't just choose to. <laughs> Try me. I don't have to let their depression be my depression. I don't have to let their sickness be my sickness. I don't have to let their fear be my fear. Neither do you. You can let your father's opinion be your opinion. He said that in... in, in Matthew chapter 6, we're supposed to pray that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. How many pandemics are going on in heaven right now? Economic depressions? Can you see the angels like all standing in a soup line like, God, give us some soup. The streets are gold, y'all. The streets. The place where you walk. Gold. They're not hurting in heaven. You don't have to hurt. Now, if you let their depression be your depression, you can have it. But the Lord of hosts, him shall you honor as holy. The word holy means set apart, specifically for divine function. You're supposed to honor the voice of your father. You know, if your father says that you're greatly loved... Who gives a rip what your cousin says about you? What if every one of your Facebook friends all at the same moment, at the same time, sent you a Facebook messenger message that says that you're a terrible person, nobody loves you, and you need to have warts? And then your father says, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And I love you. And you are going to be glorious. 5,000 Facebook friends. One God. Whose opinion do you have? And I know you're in church right now. You're going to say, well, I'm going to go with God. Yeah, until you get home and somebody said something stupid to you on Facebook. They go, oh, they said, I can't believe what they did. And all the people without Facebook are like, not me, man. Good to go. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. You know, these are are those statements that people have have a hard time with in the Old Testament. Like, if you fear God, you fear nothing else. If you honor God, then the only things that you honor are what God honors. That's why these statements are in there. Proverbs chapter 4, I'm just going to quote this. Proverbs chapter 4 says, My son, this is language of father to son. I'm a patriarch of this house. I I planted this church. And so in a way, I birthed this church. I'm a father. I'm not the father, but I'm a father of this church. The the message that is here is the message that God put on my heart. I, I, I birthed this. And so I'm talking like a father to you right now. I want you to hear this. My son. I love this because... God the Father talks to His children. He doesn't talk to slaves. He doesn't talk to ants. He doesn't talk to worthless beings. The Father talks to sons. My son, attend unto my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. 
Let them not depart from thine eyes. Eyes are involved with you hearing. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. The very center of your heart should be filled with the Father's opinion. What's the Father's opinion? You're greatly loved. You're raised and seated in Christ. By His stripes you are healed. My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of these are the Father's opinion. If these things are in the center of your heart, then all of these circumstances, you know what the word circumstance means? Circum is a circle. Circumference? Stance. What's around my stance is a circ... Cir- <clears throat> Praise God. It just hit me. What's around my stance is either going to make me fall or is going to remind me who's standing with me. So circumstances can be for you or against you. If you stand in the circum, you can either stand against the storm. Remember Jesus said that there was two houses that was built. One was built on a rock foundation One was built on sand. You remember this? They both went through the same storm. This is the part that I think people miss. It wasn't the special, easy, milky toast kindergarten storm for the rock house and then the hurricane for the sand house. It was the same storm. But one of them sat in the house next to a warm fire, had cocoa, and ate the marshmallows. And they said, honey, boy, that wind is blowing out there, ain't it? Sure is. Warm up the kettle. The other people... <laughs> my son, attending to my words, incline thine ears unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Keep, protect, guard. Remember how you get back into slavery? You don't guard, you don't protect what was given to you. Keep, protect, guard your heart with all diligence. The Bible doesn't throw around adjectives just to add a bunch of black ink. With all diligence, guard your heart. Well, don't you know this virus is going to get you? No! By His stripes I'm healed. Whoa, buddy! It should be that way. It really should be that way. Remember when they came up to Jesus and they were talking death in John chapter 11? Lord, your friend Lazarus is about to die. Ah, he'll be fine. He's taking a nap. No, he's, he, he's dying. He, he, ah, he'll be all right. And then they came back. Jesus. Lazarus is dead. No, he's just sleeping. We're going to go wake him up. Jesus, for real. (laughs) He's dead. Why would Jesus argue with them all these times about this? Because death was not something that was a part of Jesus' language. He's the author of life. He doesn't talk death. You do. He didn't allow death to control him. You do. Maybe there's something to think about here. Well, that just tickled me to death. Well, stop being tickled. Words are important. Guard your heart with all... Does anybody know what all means in Hebrew? With all diligence. 
When someone says something stupid to you. When the TV says something stupid to you. When the news, dear Jesus, everything they say is stupid. (laughs) You need to counteract it. You guard your heart. Not my pandemic. Not my virus. Not my economic meltdown. Not, not my layoff. Not my problem. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. That word for issues in there is literally borders. Borders, walls. You determine the borders, the walls of your heart. If you let this world tear down your borders and your walls, guess what? Anybody can come into your city and possess your houses. But if your borders and your walls, strong, tall, and tight, they can bring whatever army they got. And you're free inside your borders. I'll end with this. Isaiah fifty-four seventeen says that there are going to be voices that rise up against you. That you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me. Part of your heritage of being God's people is that when voices of condemnation and judgment come against you, you have to condemn them. If you don't, then you receive them. If you receive them, they get into your borders. They get into your heart and they grow. Words are seeds. Words are seeds. Jesus said it over and over and over and over. Not just God's word is seeds. All words are seeds. If the enemy throws weed seeds at you and you do not reject weed seeds, you get weeds. And you do not get to blame God. Words are seats. You have got to condemn every tongue that rises against you in judgment. And I'm talking electronic tongue, news tongue, media tongue, friend, family, dad, mom, tongue. If you love your mom and you honor your mom and she doesn't believe this way and she says, you go to the church and you're going to get sick and die. Mom, I super love you, but I reject your condemnation and your judgment of death. And I speak life. And I love you. And I speak life over you. But I will not receive your words. They will not get into my heart because I am going to live and not die and declare the glory of God. We don't condemn people, we condemn words. We condemn judgments. We condemn condemnation. Are you following me? There's a big deal. And I'm done. i got to be done. I'm out of time. But that's a whole thing right there. Don't you go around condemning people because your pastor told you to. Because I'll call them and tell them the truth. And they'll come after you. We condemn words. We condemn thoughts. We condemn ideas. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says you need to take every thought and imagination that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And it literally says you put it into prison. You're supposed to be out there like a cop. Putting thoughts into prison. Putting words into prison. And letting them rot to death. And the more you do that, you're going to have pure words hit your heart. Pure thoughts hit your heart. And you're going to live in the victory that you were created to live in. Alright. I'm out of time. Please rise. I want to speak the blessing over you. I didn't get to do none of this. I'm blaming you. This is the universal sign of, I would like to receive what you have to offer. I'm going to offer you the Father's words. This is, these are the actual words of the Father. This is His opinion. 
And I want you to receive this. Pretend like your hands are your heart and you're holding them out for your father to place these words inside of your borders. Beloved, you who are greatly loved, I declare above all things that you prosper and experience divine health as you allow your soul to prosper. I declare this over you by the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. If you receive that, close your hands, put those words in your heart, and when you walk out of here, keep your borders up. Keep your borders up. Nothing gets into your cities. All right, I love you. Thanks so much for coming. I cannot wait to see you again very, very soon. Thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of this precious, life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is a place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, you who are greatly loved by the Father, I pray, I desire above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health to the degree that you allow that to saturate and prosper your soul. I pray that you receive these words and they change every aspect of your life. I love you. I'll see you again soon.